it's been a strange quest to undertake. And not just strange, but terrible. Terrible enough that you now never wish to have a roof or ceiling of any kind over your head. Entering the dark lands below the surface of the world was always known to be dangerous. Though you never thought looking up would be chief among your concerns when down there. Nor did you think looking up would simply make what is down that much more dangerous. All of this has stalled you at the front door of your next destination. You never thought you'd feel so comfortable in the arms of the fresh outside, exposed to the elements. But here you are, thinking several things you never thought you'd think. Gathering your courage to step under shelter, you heft the prosthetic arm you were hired to retrieve, recalling how unthinkable it was to expect finding it in the belly of that monster. How did it even survive in there? Well, it is made of pure platinum. A platinum prosthetic set with frames and barrels, coils and needles. Not just a finely crafted limb replacement, but an artisan's tools lost in a strange land to an even stranger creature. Another thing you had never considered would cross your mind. Strange how upside-down things have caused you to flip your ways of thinking. You take a deep breath in and glance at the sign out front. And now it dawns on you why the shop is named as it is. Mr. Roper's Piercing and Tattoo. It's almost laughable. <laughs> in a brutal sort of way. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to another episode of Encounter This. I'm your host, James. C is for ceiling. And with me, as always, Freeman G is for ground ice tin. And today we're going to be going through Piercers and Ropers. Is this how we normally intro this show? On the Monster Manual 254 <laughs> and 261. I could tell you it's not. Freeman. I could tell you it's not. Okay. Because you forgot your own last name on that one. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> James, James' last name for this episode is C is for ceiling. <laughs> All hyphens yeah, in between. Yeah. Uh, Piercers and Ropers. This is a special episode. Uh, because I think it's the first time we've really just mashed two into one. I know, aside from like sweets and stuff like that, this is a normal everyday episode, the, the usual. But we have two separate stat blocks and separate pages in the monster manual. But right. we have combined them for a very specific reason, and that is because they are directly related. In that, piercers are the larval form of ropers. And, oh, okay. Yeah. And this is a follow-up to our last episode, episode 63, yes. I believe, the Dark Mantle. The Dark Mantle, yeah. So, talking about that that whole hiding in plain sight in the in a cavern as a stalactite uh, and that sort of thing, you know, and I think I even said on the episode like I, that's this is what I'm doing next cuz why not? Uh and you did I literally just finished that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh and so I went for it. Um yeah, there was actually a little bit of confusion behind uh, the scenes and or off mic as well. Um, 
uh, about whether or not there were piercers in 5e because there was a, a weird little thing on the Forgotten Realms wiki uh, in which they don't have piercers don't have their own page except for ones that existed in in uh, first and second edition. And I found out why. Uh, and it's a, it's a bit of a strange thing, but it's uh, the piercer actually ap- appears on the Roper page. And uh, not only because it is the larval form of the Roper, but because they basically, in some respects, reinvented the creature. So the piercer in 5e is wholly separate from the piercer in 1e and 2e. Um, okay. Although quite similar. Um, so, so it's just so I'm clear, the piercer in 5e is the larval form of the Roper. And yet it's not on the same page as the Roper? Yeah, so see, you can see what the confusion was. <laughs> so the Roper's been around since first edition. It's been in all the editions. Uh, and the right. Piercer first appeared in first and second edition, but didn't really appear in third and fourth, and uh, basically appeared again in fifth edition, but they had changed it. Uh, changed it enough for it to have uh, to not be on the same page as the original. And the, one of the chief reasons is that the original Piercer um, was still a Piercer in its adult form. So it was not in any way related to the Roper originally. And okay. so in 5th edition, they decided to bring it back, and they went ahead and made it uh, a, uh, a directly related to the Roper. Um, so I'm okay. still not 100% sure why the Piercer doesn't have its own, why it's not included in the other page. Oh, they changed it in 5e, but rather they they, they threw it onto the Roper uh, page. But um, So it's, it's a little bit confusing in that regard. Um, but I found my way around it. And uh, we'll, we'll touch lightly. <laughs> we'll touch very lightly on the originals. Um, okay. But uh, I, I, I decided to omit a, a reasonable amount of information um, just for the, the sake of keeping focus on 5e. Uh, and um, and um, I can, I can genu- generally say uh, quickly that they share a lot of the same traits. Um, Perfect. And uh, yeah, the, th- the theme around them is pretty much the exact same. Uh, I've got a couple fun quotes like we usually do, um, and I'm going to do one for uh, Piercer, and this one actually comes from 1st and 2nd edition. The the Piercer did appear in an ecology section in Dragon Magazine, um, which is just quickly become some of my favorite content, is that old ecology stuff. And um, this yeah, in this they're, case, they're yeah, in this case, the, uh, the, uh, it's only uh, like a two-page spread. One page is like pictures, and the other page is, is just like, it's actually like a... Uh, um, a uh, sort of written down version of someone giving like a a, a lesson on what piercers are. <laughs> oh, that's actually perfect. It's really cool. And so and so that's the whole well, ecology. It's literally just someone talking about uh, piercers to a group of like arcane students, arcane uh, students of the arcane knowledge and stuff like that. And then within okay. the said thing, there's a quote. So there's a quote within a quote, essentially. Okay, before you get into that quote, um, well, I want to give the listeners a peek behind the curtain here. Um, we don't normally do this, uh, and this is not a part of the show that we normally talk about, but when we write the expositions, we record them completely separately, and normally um, Freeman doesn't listen to mine until the episode goes live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's a nice little treat for him. I listen to his because I do, I do the, ma- the final mix for the episodes. The expo that i wrote for dark mantle is about a professor in neverwinter's first expedition into the underdark <laughs> no way. and their encounter with the dark mantle and it's an excerpt from one of his journals that's awesome i have not heard that yet either so that's so good <laughs> 
That's awesome. Um, well, I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but I did. I did send you the picture just now. Uh, this is the this, the page spread uh, from Dragon Magazine, and um, I am going to post it on on uh, Instagram. And of course, we will we will link it in our in our um, description and stuff like that as well for our reading notes. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, so the uh, but yeah, it's really really cool. And uh, so I'm going to read the quote that's within the quote. So this this whole excerpt. Um, has this, this, this other quote. So the, the person giving the lesson quotes this other book or what have you. Um, it's uh, it's a, uh, He says it's from the bestiary, the bestiary of Zigag, the sage. And um, it says this. Ye piercer doth look like unto a stalactite and hangeth from the roofs of caves and caverns unto the height of a man and thicker than a man's thigh do they grow and in groups do they hang. If a creature doth pass beneath them, they will by its heat and noise perceive it, and fall upon it to kill and devour it, though in any other way they move but exceedingly slow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a quote within a quote. It's just, it's just fun. I'm having way too much fun with this. Uh, <laughs> no, that's great. I love that. Yeah. And you can also see a, a company that picture is literally a bisection of this creature in all of its organs. So just the, the amount of details, crazy. Um, uh, yeah. But of the pictures, oh, I've, and did you see the Latin name at the top there? Uh, oh yeah, Mollusca megastromus pilum. So these are specifically mollusks. The original. Uh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> they have they have labeled them uh, specifically that. Um, and uh, so if you scroll, if you scroll up James into the discord there to the, the first images I, I posted, you'll see, uh, one familiar where it's, it's just one like on the ground and then a couple more. Um, so those first three images come from first and second edition, a couple more are, are when they're hanging on the ceiling. You can kind of see in that second one, the black and white one where it's, you know, it's sort of, you could tell which the, which one's standing. You can kind of see the eye there and you can see at the very top where the foundation is where, where this so-called stalactite would be connected. You could see that it's got like, you know, this separation and these little like things holding on to the, to the ceiling. Um, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I, we had one very similar to this for the dark mantle that's going to drop in a couple of weeks when it's, yeah, they're so good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically, um, that's all I'm really going to touch on the original because uh, they they are basic pretty much the exact same. The only the significant exceptions uh, are are uh, basically the original had two eye stalks that would kind of stick out from the side, uh, whereas the piercer um, evolving into the roper they have one singular eye on its sort of um, body or or what have you. Um, so that's like one of the main physical differences. Um, but let's just get straight okay. into the five E piercer. Um, okay, so here's what the piercer does. They have a slug-like squishy body that is protected by a rock-like encasing shell. And the slug portion is what allows it to move along walls and ceilings, positioning itself high above. It has a single lion mouth on one side of the body, and so long as they are closed, the piercer is indistinguishable from regular rocky formations, particularly stalactites, as we've more or less said. Uh, from their position on the ceiling, they wait with extraordinary patience. While they can see, they do need to keep their eye closed in order to be not, not be spotted. Uh, and as such, they can accurately detect and track pay through noise and heat signatures. So they don't need to look. And uh, once they do have their prey uh, coming close, they drop down from the ceiling with amazing accuracy and complete silence. And if they miss their targets, they have to slowly make their way back up the wall, the ceiling, making them extremely vulnerable. 
And this is why they usually gather in colonies and drop in tandem, maximizing their chances of a shared meal. And they also are known for attacking in tandem with the adult ropers. So, wow. Yeah. So it's not just one here and there as you travel through. You're going to have a barrage of these when you hit the wrong spot is the idea. Um, and they, it says amazing accuracy. You know, we'll see that not quite reflected in the stat block. Um, <laughs> but, um, but for considering what it is they're doing, simply dropping straight into you, you know, it, it's, uh, it is pretty, pretty wild that they can, they can sort of hit, wait for that right moment and come at least very close. Um, yeah, and they're um, they're like pointed like a like a stalactite, so mm-hmm. they're going to be more aerodynamic and more prone to drop straight the straighter they are. Yeah, I just love the. I, it actually gives me chills the idea of like having several of these just like drop with complete silence and just like boom, 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 all around you, and you're just getting nailed by a couple in the back. It would be terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> um, um, what? I will say about the original descriptions um, is that uh, this, this sort of like rock-like encasement, um, they, they described it in a really cool way in that um, the, as soon as they are born, they start to like eat. They're like, they're just hungry, hungry, hungry. So they start eating like fungus and bacteria off the cave walls, but they also absorb uh, small pieces of minerals and rock and sand and everything. And that gets basically excretes from their skin and that starts to form the hard shell around them. Uh, so it goes into their system. Isn't that like how crabs and shit work? Isn't that like how they're, they're I, like, I think they so. like their chitinous shells? Maybe, yeah. You might not. I, I'm not sh- I don't know for sure, but that, that's, that's, it rings a bell. If, if it's true, that's awesome. That's <laughs> so cool. Um, it might be, a, might be a, a thing that mollusks tend to do in general, perhaps. It's probably. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, it's a fucking mollusk. This is probably, <laughs> probably a thing that... Uh, this is like... This is the gooey duck of the cave. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I do know, too, is the, in the original, they could they could actually get... They could come out of the shell. Um, so they could... Uh, they would actually... I think they were... They kind of needed to in order to devour their prey. So they had to, like, strike to kill and then get out of the shell and devour, devour their prey. And then... And they were, like, extremely vulnerable in, the, in that state when feeding, essentially. Um, but I think... Oh, okay. I think the new piercer, at least by the artwork... Uh, which is pretty great, by the way, um, for 5e. The, um, they don't seem to have a shell to come out of. They just seem to be, you know, their, their, their outer layer is, is just is quite, um, quite sturdy and rocky. Yeah, the one in 5e kind of looks, um, look, definitely looks a lot more larval than the other one. Yes, big time, big time. And I think that's, that's one of those big differences. Is, like I said, uh, the original piercer was a piercer from, from young to adult. Uh, so they, they didn't evolve into something else or some, some greater or grander creature. Rather, they, uh, they basically probably reached adulthood when their, sh- when their shell was fully formed that they can come in out of. Right. So. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I just looked it up and they are, uh, they're, they're, Mollusca megastromus pilum, and I, I I went looking for what a strom stromus is, mm-hmm. um, but a strombus is like a snail. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's like the Latin family name for like a specific group of snails, like where conch shells and stuff come mm. from. So, hey, hey, that makes sense because uh, they have the two little snaily eye stalks as well. So they're clearly inspired oh, by they? that. Yeah, the originals do. Okay. Yeah. 
If you look at that diagram again, the one I sent you, you can see they have two little eye stalks. Oh, is that what the? Oh, it is what those are. Yeah. Okay, I just assumed those were like like feelers, like coral. Nope, that, but that's that's, them that's eyes. so gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, but that's it for the piercer. No, nothing, nothing, nothing fancy. You know, a lot of a lot of back. It doesn't and forth, explain but... how the five V piercer turns into a roper because uh... these creatures look vastly different. <laughs> don't they <laughs> uh yeah no 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 particular explanation of of that process sadly because they abandoned the ecology stuff forever ago i would love to know how their mouths migrate down uh well no, no, look at the 5e artwork the mouth is on the side it's just is that what that that's, is that's its mouth on the side below the eye oh yeah. okay the top part is actually, I think, from what I, what I believe is, that's the part that helps it it walk and grab onto things to hang from the ceiling. So the tail, the tail end is what stabs you, and you can see it's like these little legs and stuff on the, on its back that that help it oh, walk along. So it okay. kind of like walks I... on its head almost and grabs by its head. Right. Yeah. Or like the back of its head, if you will. I don't care for it, but I kind of I, I get <laughs> what creepy. I get what you're saying. <laughs> and there is a different evolution um, uh, of sorts when it comes to that climbing because uh, these tend to be a little bit more slug-like or, or snail-like, if you will. Um, and uh, and obviously the five E piercer has some some little appendages to help it climb. Or the ropers, I can say, and I'll, it'll come across in my notes here. But they they have like thousands of little cilia, little hair-like cilia, and that's what allows them to move and climb. Uh, so they gr- oh, okay. they grow more and more and more and more of these tiny little hair like cilia uh, things, and that's what helps them uh, be um, mobile, if you will. Right. Okay. And I'm guessing that's what those little claw things are on the back of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining this to be a pretty zoomed in. Yes. Image. Yeah. I mean, although they they are much bigger than you, you would expect. <laughs> My guess is oh. that these these tend to. Um, uh, probably grow smaller and then they sprout into more and more tinier uh, appendages these cilia right but, um, okay well uh we'll get to that we'll get to that um let's go to ropers here's your quote okay. here's your quote for ropers you see stalactites grow on the ceiling and stalagmites reach <laughs> an explanation is cut short by a roper attack <laughs> I just about spit out my Guinness. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Oh, you got me at exactly the right time for that. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just puts me in mind of uh, of the exposition I did for uh, Sturges. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Uh, all right, well. Ropers. Unlike the piercer, the roper is quite dangerous on the ground. They do not need to be up high and dropping on you. They can climb walls and ceilings as well, though. And just like their offspring, they are indistingu—they are indistinguishable from rocky formations when their eye and mouth are closed. But of course, they can appear as stalagmites or stalactites, and they move. Um, yeah, they move uh, and stick to surfaces uh, via thousands of tiny cilia at its base. So they, um, their uh, their head portion definitely becomes the, the 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 pointy part as the bottom must spread out and um, and uh, and form this this like more wide base. Um, for anyone listening and is right. is unsh- uh, is like most people um, unsure of uh, how to uh, distinguish stalagmites and stalactites, 
That's what our nicknames were at the beginning. C is for ceiling. G is for ground. It's like a very, actually a very common mnemonic device for, uh, for distinguishing those two um, things. And your nickname in Dark Mantle was the one that I grew up with. And that's Stalagmites Hang Tight. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> or sorry, Stalagmites Hang Tight. <laughs> you got it wrong. <laughs> yep. We, we, de- we definitely discussed this in Dark Mantle too, didn't we? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, not, not to... Not not to this okay. uh, depth. Sure. But. Well, um, so back to rovers. <laughs> uh, they uh, they eat nearly anything that comes across their path, uh, from underdark beasts to adventurers. Um, it uh, basically tries to surprise its prey uh, with a different strategy, though. Uh, as as soon as one might see the eye open. They are set upon by long, sticky tendrils that draw them in towards the roper's stony teeth. Its bite can be quite fatal, and its tendrils sap strength as hair-like growths sink into flesh, reducing the chance of escape. The roper has six nubs along its body from where the tendrils will sprout, and these tendrils can be cut off, but the roper can replace them nearly instantaneously. Okay. Uh... And the roper is known to be able to digest most anything except for a select few things. Platinum, gemstones, and magic items. Which means, of course, precious things can sometimes be found inside the belly of a roper. And in particular, alchemists are known to prize their digestive juices as they make for an excellent and high-value solvent. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, in uh, the Roper from a few, a couple things from from different sources, such as 3.5e, 4e, Dragon Magazine, um, which, by the way, these guys do also have their own ecology section. I didn't get too far into it. It wasn't, it was like not nearly as well laid out as usual, Uh, but there's still little tidbits in there that I I, uh, snatched from uh, the wiki. And um, it's basically said that they would kill and eat uh, far more than necessary simply because they never knew when the next meal might come. So they would just gorge themselves um, based on the off chance that they might not eat for a while. And right. um, and there were a couple in- interesting parts I thought here, but they specifically said on the wiki, citation needed. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, uh, there were known surface ropers um, that would evolve into different forms. And so it's such as taking out a form of a dead tree, which we see reflected in the artwork uh, in the uh, third edition. It looks like a dead tree. So I don't know. Yeah, so it said, that it said real cite- weird. Yeah, it said citation needed, um, but clearly in the artwork, there it is. Um, you also notice that in first and second edition, they look more like blobs. They look more gelatinous. Yeah, they look exactly like... Um- the Blob family from Futurama. I don't know if you Oh, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and the first one, it literally looks like a uh, Hanna-Barbera villain from, like, Scooby-Doo. Looks like he's just wearing a sheet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, these guys are, like, they're, they're pretty nasty looking, especially the 4 and 5 E artwork. They just, they look like these big rocky formations with these massive lamprey-like mouths, at least in the 4th edition lamprey-like the, and just like, the five E is the mouth of a goblin shark. Um, yes. And if you don't like, are you familiar with the goblin shark? Uh, reasonably so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Do not Google it unless you want nightmares, uh, listeners. It's it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, because I hate Freeman, I'm sending him a picture now <laughs> just to remind him. Can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, yes. Oh, so cool. <laughs> Nature is metal. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, of the th- one of the features about sharks is that they can unhinge their jaw and then stretch it out further. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. very similar to a snake, but it right. like, comes out of their gums. And that's mm. just what a goblin shark looks like. And I swear to God, listeners, do not Google it. You will have nightmares. <laughs> No, do it. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. They're really cool, yeah. but they're they're gnarly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I actually uh, got to get that out of the chat. <laughs> I love it. It's so um. Weird. Uh, the other citation needed note that I have here was that, uh, and I thought this was very interesting um, because, well, we'll may, we might we might cover it a bit here in the stat block, but. Um, it is said that ropers were known to be reasonably intelligent and insightful and would spend their spare time learning about their surrounding world and contemplating philosophy and brave religious pilgrims sometimes would seek them out for their insight. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, yep. That's a lot. Yep. <laughs> like that's, Citation That's a needed. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, odd, odd thing. There's a part of me that likes it because, like, okay, yeah, they're sitting in stony caverns, you know, alone for who knows how long, you know, w- even without a meal. Um, and so, are they reasonable? If they are reasonably intelligent, then what is going through their head? You know, so I kind, I kind of get it. They're like, her- they're hermit, like, you know, um, right? But. Uh, but yeah, let's let's see what the let's see what the stat block says about their int. Yeah, you're not or wisdom. I guess this would actually be more wisdom than anything. Um, yes In, and no. Insight is a wisdom skill. True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but then, like I always, I've always said that wisdom is more about instincts, and in, intelligence is more about you know actual brain power. So you kind of need both to if like if you want to be insightful through the contemplation of philosophy, you're gonna need intelligence. You're gonna need a bit of both, realistically. Um, oh yeah yeah so uh yeah um of course there is no cultural lore uh i did i could i didn't find anything about um myths or legends or creatures around stalactites and stalagmites brett blob and the goblin shark yeah that's good enough for me. <laughs> that's good enough yeah um uh for those who don't know stalactites and stalagmites are mineral formations that caused by dripping of water and other other liquids and there's there's a whole bunch of processes to it and there's different types um anyway uh the uh what I, what you know James and I do love are, are words even if we're not always good with them uh so I, I did make a note here in the etymology and um the uh it comes from greek and the suffix ites uh means connect with or belonging to and then the greek word stalactos means dripping and uh stalagmias however you say it means dropping or trickling so both stalagmites and stalactites you know have uh, have this uh, shared relationship in their in their naming and that they belong to things that are dripping and or dropping or trickling or what have you and if you want to see a good example of the formation of them there is also a futurama episode where that happens <laughs> you just posted the goblin shark again i know it's uh <laughs> It's the one where Fry travels through time. Leela goes to Cavern on the Green and shoots up the ceiling. Mm, that's so good. 
You been watching Futurama lately, or you just you just know it really well? No, I just this is this is my show. Futurama, it, it, you're like you're like one of those one of those Simpsons fans that knows every quote possible, but you do it for Futurama instead. It, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Futurama <laughs> is is it's it's really hard to pin down yeah. my favorite show of all time, but Futurama yeah. is always done right. Like Futurama and Mash are always in that conversation. Oh, man, hell yeah, hell yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a Futurama person over over the Simpsons big time. Yeah, I revisited a little bit of it lately, and it's just, it's not anywhere near as funny where I can still watch, like, I've seen every episode a dozen times, and I can still watch it, and it'll still fucking make me laugh out loud, yeah. like, no yeah. matter what episode we put on. Yeah, there's the always something, me. yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I have a little bonus for you as well, uh, because I was looking up a little bit about stalactites and stalagmites and that sort of thing. I found uh, an image of shark tooth stalactites, which... Are my guess for the inspiration of the Dark Mantle? Because look at okay. the, look at this image. Oh, that's cool! Really cool. Um, they have that sort of look where you know you have that like that that almost webbing around the tendrils or tentacles that the Dark Mantle had. You can almost see like they're kind of you know uh, uh, sort of uh, bunched up and then hanging from the ceiling in this way, and, and it almost looks like that's what this could be. Yeah, like, and that's specific like sharp bats. Yeah, and and that those are specifically formed by lava. Oh, cool. Yeah. So pr- I just well, thought that was pretty neat. You, you have it here, listeners. <laughs> this uh, this little mini suite brought to you by Sharks and Futurama. <laughs> and beer. Uh- <laughs> and beer. Uh, cool. So uh, that's that's all I got. That's all I got for story time. Um, we're going to take a small break here and I'm going to show you some amazing artwork that I, that came along with this. Some of it's very simple, but some of it's great. Here's, here's a a piece of art. All this will be on the Instagram of uh, a silhouette of someone having been pierced by a piercer. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. It almost looks like it's his head up at the top at first, but it's actually the back end of the piercer and he's like leaning back and you can see it's gone straight through his torso. Yeah. Uh, I definitely thought this was just a person with a flat top. Yeah, right? <laughs> it took me a second. So I was like, what? And you're like, oh, that looks vicious. That looks like a brutal death. <laughs> here's a. It definitely wouldn't be pleasant you know, to stab through the heart. Here's a hilarious piece where uh, this is from the the um, the uh, trading cards or whatever. Um, it looks it looks like a slime. Uh, it looks like an ooze. It does. It does look like an ooze. And it's a, it's a roper, yeah. Um, so it doesn't, doesn't stand up to most of the lore, but it's kind of a cool piece of art. You know what? It kind of does. I bet you this is a surface roper and this is like a jungle and it's like a oh, yeah. kind of like growing roots or vines. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Not, not a bad call. Not a bad call. Um, here is one of a couple people fighting a roper. It's kind of an awkward shape image, but pretty cool oh, yeah that is yeah. awkward as all hell it must be like a side image yeah it's, that is so much bigger than i thought it was gonna oh be. it's oh, big wow yeah it's not small <laughs> it's just just lifting a dwarf up into the air and someone's about to come out with an axe yeah yeah it's pretty and cool. this this definitely is a 5e roper and it definitely looks a lot more like um uh like a lamprey-esque mouth it's got like two yeah. rows of teeth inside uh yeah yeah it, it definitely isn't like there's no world in which this mouth can close without it stabbing itself, yeah. but it looks cool. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> uh, there's another one where uh, the rope is hanging from the ceiling, pulling. Oh, pulling cool! I'm up. glad to finally see that represented because yeah. it was mentioned, but yeah. we don't see it. Yeah, 
And this one, this one is so epic. This is the best. These are popular, eh? Are these one of those D and D creatures, like the ones owned by wizards? Um. Oh, I don't. I actually don't know, to be honest. I got my monster manual right here. I can flip to the front cover. That's that last one looks like concept art for like a yeah. like a video game. How cool is that one? Uh, it's just like I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, that one's fantastic. It looks terrifying. It's just like again, it's got an adventure up in the air. The, they've dropped their torch and their bag, and it's and they just uh, they clearly look like they're in full panic. <laughs> like no one saw this coming. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Anyway. I actually don't see it in the front of the monster manual. I think they changed um, after the original printing uh, uh, of like the copyrights and stuff like that. Okay. Well, I know I know they're the included in says... Pathfinder, so they're not an original. Maybe not not a not an I, a, a copyrighted IP. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're probably not then. Yeah. But like it by the quality of this art, it really looks like D and D leaned into them. Like yeah, that logo in that that one from the ceilings, the fourth edition logo. Like that was probably yeah. Um, that's from I think that uh, comes from an, the Underdark book specifically. Oh, does it? It even says Underdark okay. TM on it. Like I'm pretty sure it does. Oh yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Really they, neat. That, so so much good artwork for this for this this uh, this episode. <laughs> so yeah. hit that up last guys. one is crazy. Mm-hmm. It legitimately looks like a Dark Souls boss fight. Like concept. It art. really does. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so so gnarly. I love it. Um, but that, uh, yeah. Speaking of dark, why don't we crack into the controversial (laughs) segment of mechanics? Is it controversial now? I think so. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's a controversial segment in our, in our show now because, uh, we tend to rip things apart here. (laughs) Um, like, like 60% of the time, I would say. (laughs) Like obviously we're not happy with the creatures. We're dungeon masters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're never good enough. <laughs> well, they're just not. Well, they're just not right for you. Yeah. Like, like Matt Coville says, and I'll I'll say it for the rest of my life. Encounter design doesn't stop at our initiative. Yeah. So like, yeah, you should be changing these things. You should be fucking with them. Hell yeah. The map is not the territory. <laughs> uh, but let's do it. What are these CR? Fifteen? <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> one is literally throwing a human being. I know. Uh, CR six. <laughs> CR six is like an actual guess for me. Okay, though. like I, I, they look like they they should be CR six. Well, the piercer's a CR one half. Sorry, what? Oh, okay, piercer. Piercer. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They're they're little. Yeah. They they don't they don't do anything for me. Yeah, and the roper is a CR five. Okay. I can fuck with that. However, considering the fact that it's likely to encounter multiple piercers and or a roper at the same time, you are probably looking at a CR 6 or 7 encounter at the very least. Okay. Be my guess. So, um, yeah. So, we'll cover piercer first. CR 1 half, HP 22, speed of 5 feet, climb of 5 feet. Very, very slow. Um, AC of 15 with natural armor. They are medium in size. They're not small or tiny. Um, and they are a much... That's interesting to me. Yeah, isn't it? They're, they, are, they are a sizable creature, considering what they do. And uh, so they're monstrosities, and they are unaligned. They have no language or resistances or uh, immunities to speak of. I know that I'm not supposed to say it, but every, t- 
Every time I hear on a line now, all I can hear is on a line, which is what they call land in the wheel of time. <laughs> like, it's, like I, every time somebody says on a line to me, I want to correct them. I'm like, no, it's actually pronounced on a line. I love it. Oh, God. Um, I need to stop listening to those books for a hot second and get my life back together. No, keep going. Keep going. Um but- yeah, so they have uh, they had do have blind sight up to thirty feet. That's that's the uh, the sound and heat uh, detection, uh, and then yeah, dark vision sense. sixty feet. So when they do open their eyes, they can see. Uh, right. Passive perception of eight. Uh, stealth plus five. Although I can be perfectly honest with you, I ain't rolling shit if they're dropping from that ceiling. They auto win, in my opinion. <laughs> auto win. They yeah, still have to roll to hit. I probably. But you don't you don't detect. Which them. I'd probably no roll with advantage. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, they are uh, one intelligence minus five. This is where the unaligned part definitely comes in for me is that they, they just don't have the intelligence to be aligned. Uh, they are they are based on pure beastly instinct. Um, the have, they have false appearance and spider climb for their abilities, both of which we've covered previously. So essentially, you know, uh, indistinguishable as long as they remain motionless, I am closed. And then spider climb, yeah. they can uh, do walls to ceilings. I wonder why they bothered them giving them a plus five to stealth. Uh, I mean, they could still be on the ground sneaking around. Maybe if you come across a a um, uh, a fresh kill, you know, or something that's been devoured, and they're still making their way up the wall, they might still have to roll for that because they are in motion. Be my guess, right? Uh, which is it's where my brain was at, and then I was like, no, if they're dropping, it's still a guaranteed. You don't hear it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but like, if they are in motion, which is very, very slow motion, but if they are, then uh, they they might want to roll stealth, depending on the scenario. Okay. Um, convinced me. I'm yeah. on board. Cool. The uh, yeah, spider climb. You know, they, they basically can climb those walls and ceilings without having to do an ability check, and um, and then they have one attack. It's called drop. It's only a plus three to hit. They are only one half CR. Um, and uh, it has to be a creature that's directly beneath the piercer. So it's kind of a shared square scenario for the attack. Um, and it does 1d6 piercing per 10 feet dropped up to a maximum of 66. Okay. Which that's is cool. a lot for a CR one half if you want to maximize that. However, if the piercer misses, which is fairly likely, it takes half the normal falling damage of the distance fallen. Right, which is one d six, per ten feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then cut in half. Uh, so um, you have a lot of math happening there. <laughs> if you want to do a group of these dropping at once, you don't have to go. You can always do is do like one spread, like roll it, roll it, uh, roll each to hit, and then figure out how many uh, have actually missed, and then just roll a flat uh, uh, amount and have it for all of them. Uh, make your life a bit easier, but um, you know they—they they basically they all they can do is drop. They have no other attacks. They can't attack while they're on the ground, uh, and then they ought—they will take damage if they miss. So like they—they—they they, they take a huge risk in in this in this drop. Um, but if there's lots of them, um, I guess that that actually does. Ooh, now now I'm now that I'm saying this out loud, it does posit the uh, the um, sort of. They can't all drop on the same square. 
Um, I don't, no, no, they could. Yeah. They would have to drop on. Um, so they'd be dropping a multiple different squares. Yeah, multiple yeah. party members at the same time. Um, but then as you move the next square, they could drop again. As you move to another square, another one could drop as well. I wouldn't make them. Yep. I wouldn't have them drop as a reaction to you entering a square, but rather wherever you land. If you happen to like, you know, prearrange where these piercers are in which square, and then ha- someone stops there, then then they're at risk. But you know, how would they know? Um, so anyway, in- interesting, interesting thing to sort of like get get the logistics on for a group of them dropping. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about it in the homebrew. Um, okay, but I, I have some some thoughts on it. Yeah, cool. all right. Um, so that's it for the piercer. Pretty pretty straightforward. Other than other than you know the group dropping. Um, honestly, simple. for CR one half, I don't hate that. Yeah, like twenty two is a lot of HP for a one half. I mean, it's it's not, but like, yeah, kind of kind of is. Like, that's not a one hit kill for most most players at yeah. level one. And even AC fifteen for one half is is nothing to scoff at. Like, at level one, you're, you're going to be hitting that relatively easily because, like, you know what what's your your top AC at level one is typically around twenty. Right? Um, yeah. But you know, for a one half, it's a fifteen. It's it's solid, uh, especially if you're fighting multiples of these. Um, yeah, but once it drops, it's fucked. Basically, like, yeah. Five foot movement. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta get back to a wall. The only climb up the wall yeah. before it can attack it, again. It can move up. It can move maximum ten feet per turn, and uh, the um, its only chance is to like get around a corner and like start to stealth from there and hope for the best. Um, right. But otherwise, yeah. it's or just like screwed. Yeah, like camo into the ground, like hide action or what have you. Like I, I'd probably do that. Yeah, but. I think, huh. but I think one of the particular things about this creature is that they cannot uh, uh, mimic a stalactite. They can really only do a stalactite. It's not right, but this—that—that's where I would put the stealth in. Like, right. Okay. Not. I wouldn't give it its false appearance, but I'd give it its stealth. It could at least look like a, a fallen over piece of rocky formation. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. with false appearance, like there's no per- to me, there's no perception check that can perceive it. Like that's, that's what this point. ability yeah. does. Yeah, for sure. So like if it was just camoing into the ground, I'd just use its stealth DC. Yeah, totally. Or roll a stealth check. Yeah. Yeah, to- totally on board with that. All right, you've roped me in with that. Now hit me with the roper. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Roper, CR5, uh, HP 93, speed 10 feet, climb 10 feet. So they're marginally faster. Well, 100% faster, but still quite marginal on their speed. Uh, AC yeah. 20, natural armor. Uh, they are large and monstrosities, and they have an alignment of neutral evil. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, this is where I start to cringe a little bit. Um same with languages, resistances, and immunities. Nothing to speak of. Dark vision, sixty feet. No blind sight. Somehow they've lost. Well, they it. got that big old central eye. Right, but but why have they lost their blind sight? I don't understand that. I'm not a fan of that already. Uh, uh, I can tell you why, and it's because those little snail eye stalks have fallen off in the evolution. That was in the first and second edition, uh, not in the fifth edition piercer. They don't have those. Well, it's it's in my fifth edition. <laughs> Save it for the home, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're right. That that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't though. add up at uh, all. Yeah, they just they some yeah. they somehow have lost uh, their blind sight, their ability to detect noise and heat, but have not increased their vision at all. Their actual vision at all. Still sixty feet. Uh, passive perception, of course, goes up with the stats. Uh, they do have a bonus to perception at this point as well as stealth. Although the stealth bonus remains the same at plus five. 
Um, okay. And if you look at the actual core ability scores, uh, the intelligence has increased from one to seven. So not a not a small increase. However, it's still a minus two intelligence. It's still borderline beastly with that intelligence. 16 right. plus three wisdom, though. Quite high. That's what, yeah. So Quite like high. that's like insight is a wisdom skill. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you that they should work in tandem, but that would defeat the purpose of the ability scores. Like they would just merge them and have one mental score. Right. So um, this this makes sense that you would seek it out for its advice because it is very wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, um, yeah, so they... Uh, Roper... That being said, encounter this position is do not seek out ropers. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's got to be our legal standpoint Definitely on this. Don't. Although it would be an interesting adventure hook, I think, to some degree. But I would, I would end up. I think I would end up creating a homebrew ancient roper, like something that's lived mm. for an astonishing amount of time, of an astonishing size. You know, something totally outside of the realm of these stat blocks. Um, and make you know, it, it would be kind of cool right. to have a centralized, almost almost have like a roper. That has oh my god! I haven't, I'm like, having this crazy like, idea now. <laughs> there's a tiny mountain, and that's the tip of the Roper. You got to go no, underground. I'm thinking it. like massive cavern in which two Ropers, or uh, uh, from ceiling to, to floor, or one Roper has grown so large, uh, or the two Ropers have grown so large they've connected, and they're like they're like a pillar inside a cavern that is like the the stru- uh, integral to the structural integrity of like the space. Uh, and they're so unbelievably large. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty mental too. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, the but are immobile at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, have to be hyper dangerous. <laughs> um, 150 foot reach. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Tendrils coming out of the earth and everything instead of just yeah. off their body. Um, so yeah. Uh, so they also have false appearance, but they can do the stalactite or stalagmite. They can do both. Uh, spider climb as well, uh, and they have grasping tendrils. Um, so this is like basically they can have six tendrils at a time, and they each tendril has an AC twenty, um, ten HP, and are immune to poison and psychic. And, Goddamn, better be yeah. <laughs> and uh, destroying a tendril does not deal damage to the roper. That makes sense. Yeah, and the uh, they can recreate a replacement tendril on its next turn at no cost. So between the time it's it's cut off and destroyed uh, to the start of the uh, the Roper's next turn, um, that's the only time you'll have one less tendril, essentially. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that mm-hmm. yet, but let's let's keep going through the stat block. Yeah, and then the tendril can also be broken, quote unquote, with a DC fifteen strength check. So you can kind of just I don't know if that means like you've you've broken it but it's still in, intact so it's like you know you've broken the muscles in in a way that it's no longer functional or if it means like you've actually snapped it off with raw strength as opposed to a weapon um uh up to your interpretation i suppose but i, I there's a part of me that would, would want to like almost like break it off so like the sinew and muscle inside are no longer attached but they're still an, uh, attached by skin and therefore like you've now made one of the tendrils useless and it can't be regenerated that's where i want to go yeah I I prefer that road. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it should just be included with the um, the attack against it. Right. Normally, it would be included in the same line. Yeah. So that 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 would be my interpretation as well, and I think it's more interesting. Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah, that's where I'm going. I find it more interesting. Um, so, uh, multi-attack. Get the attacks here. It does have multi-attack. And at, at, the, at, the, at the beginning, it sounds more dangerous than it is. Uh, it takes four tendril attacks. It uses its real ability, its real attack, and it uses its bite. All in one turn. Okay. Um, um, I, I care for this grasping tendril okay. thing less now. Uh, here's the thing with the, the tendrils is that um, they don't do damage. Um, but rather, so they have a plus seven to hit. They have a 50-foot reach, which is not small for a large creature. Um, and uh, what they do is if they hit, they automatically grapple. Uh, so they're doing a, a two-hit grapple instead of like uh, an athletics check. And the escape DC is 15. Until the grapple ends, the target is restrained and has disadvantage on strength checks and saving throws. So it makes it harder to escape and uh, and break them and what have you because of what the lore said. Right. Where uh, they sap your strength a bit. Um, so they are they are making it harder to escape there. And then, of course, the roper cannot use the same tendril to, to, uh, uh, on another target while grappling, which is uh, uh, pretty standard. And then, so it can do this four times. It can... Whip out four different tendrils at once. Uh, and if it happens to grab four different party members all at once, it can now all of them reel in, uh, which you can only do up to 25 feet at a time per turn. Um, but if you're all within 25 feet, like you get pulled straight to the roper, all four of you. Uh, and then it can bite, but it can only bite a single target at a time. Uh, and that's a plus seven to hit as well. And it's a 4d8 plus four. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's pretty big for a CR five. Like, that's not it's not a small amount of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's th- there's a lot of mechanics in there that I don't know if I care for. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot happening depending on you know, the spacing of your party and like you know is your wizard in the back is your is your fighter up the front, uh, very likely. You know, and how just how far away are you? You know, does this roper attack when you're at fifty foot range? Or does it wait till you get a bit closer, or like someone's a bit closer while someone's still far away? It's a lot of like tiny little things happening there. So, but in one turn, it could kind of it could technically latch them to a four person party, and then, um, you know, say they're at a distance between twenty five and fifty feet, you know, from the closest to the furthest. Like you know, within that same first turn, they could pull one really close and bite it, and then pull the wizard in like halfway. And then the next turn, if they didn't manage to escape, they can pull him in the rest of the way and then bite the wizard. But they're really still only getting one actual attack per turn. So yeah, I'm fine. I'm honestly, I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, it's the real mechanic that I don't, I don't find it believable that they can lash out, hit a target with a fifty foot reach, grapple it, but they can't pull it fifty feet back. Like it takes them twelve seconds to pull them fifty feet it back. Does, that, that, that's yeah. what I'm grappling with. It does seem weird. I mean, especially when you look at the artwork where they're literally just lifting every piece of artwork is them lifting someone up, and like yeah. you know, in the air. Where this 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 reads more like uh, dragging you across the ground while you resist. Yeah, uh, and it's got a strength of eighteen. Like I would just cut out the real mechanic entirely. Yeah, and then I think this would be a much more interesting creature. Uh, yeah, and I mean, eighteen's not. I mean when you're comparing to like what the average human's supposed to be in 5e or whatever like you know it's quite quite Which high but 10, yeah so. but um but it's like not extraordinary in the grand scheme of things an 18 strength you know it's not like no i mean these things are vestigial regenerative so like mm-hmm. it shouldn't be i again i i actually really really like this creature i really like mm-hmm. all the mechanics i really like the stat block 
um i i really really enjoy everything that's happening here i just i don't feel the need for the real mechanic okay so I just I just think it's one step too much because it can only bite one creature anyway. What the fuck does it matter if it can pull them all in twenty feet, twenty five feet, or fifty mm-hmm. feet? Like it just I think gives the PCs an extra turn to hit it. Yeah. Well, that's just I think that's it. Like they, uh, there is this. Uh, to me, it's a sense of like danger um, if you use it right. You know. So if that wizard is far away, but the fighter is close, if they are that fifty twenty foot five foot range, then when you pull in the fighter and bite it, and it say it hits really hard, then the wizard's like shit like they're gonna start to feel this anxiety ideally uh, because they know they haven't been pulled the whole way in but they they're still grappled so maybe they may be able to take the next hit so there might be this sense of foreboding or 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 terrified uh uh sort of nature happening um with the players if you play with it in that way um i you know what that's i i agree with you completely mm. but my counterpoint would be then why can't it just make six tendril attacks well, yeah, I was thinking of the same thing. <laughs> it's got six. Why is it only doing four? <laughs> my, well, my problem is more with the tendril attacks than the actual real. Like, uh, but also the right. real is like you you can play with that. Like that's it's so you could just use it. You can you can you could. Uh, it's almost unnecessary. I'm almost 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 with you on that because it's almost unnecessary to have it in that step by step process. Because like maybe you just want to lift them 25 feet. It doesn't specify that, but why not? Like have them lift, have them uh, move you from side to side or something like that. Uh, have them keep you at bay, you know, because if, if they just pull everyone in at the same time, like real p- specifies they pull in, right? But you could actually use it to to, to, to like stop someone from moving because like if you just pull everyone in, you're giving everyone a chance to attack. You, you give disadvantage on strength checks and saving throws, not attack rolls. So like yeah. if you pull everyone in and everyone goes melee. I think the, the grapple condition already does that though. Uh, it do, it did specify um, somewhere. I, I think we covered it um, in that. Uh, yeah, if you're grappled, you are restrained, so you can't move on your own. Um, so you know uh, yeah. which tendril is reeling, and uh, but the, the step up doesn't reflect that, or, or rather, I guess the the five E doesn't doesn't provide like tactic options like some of the previous editions did. But like that, that's something that I feel like is missing from the whole reel thing. It's not just about reeling them in; it's also about probably keeping someone at bay. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, like, that doesn't... So the way this reads is it they can do four tendrils, one reel, and one bite. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, never mind. Uh, under reel, it says pull each grappled yeah. creature. So anyone who uh, is grappled, they get they get reeled at the same time, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you have to pull all four grappled creatures? Like... I mean, it reads as if you do have to. I Yeah, I guess my argument is that you don't have to. You can choose. You can yeah, and- Surely you can pick and choose. For sure, yeah. and my 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 I mean my a way of agreeing with you would be to just remove that mechanic and describe it like okay instead of it pulling you twenty five feet in it pulls in the one that's not armored plated twenty five feet right and the rest of you it raises twenty five feet so if you free yourself you're taking two d six worth of falling damage yeah right yeah exactly <laughs> um, so, that's such a great way just, of looking at it too and you know what I would do for sure is I would I would have one of these prioritize <laughs> the biggest bulkiest creature for the bite regardless of armor because they can digest most uh, things but they're hungry they want to eat as much as possible so i would i I would think they would target the biggest meatiest one um so if you're rolling with a goliath or a half orc or something like that like you're you're gonna get eaten first or a barbarian who's raging yeah yep yeah Uh, i don't i don't think they're gonna take into account how much danger you are they're they want to eat the biggest morsel 
Uh, oh, I just always wall, assume but... any any class that that prioritizes strength would be the bulkiest. That or constitution, um, to some degree. Although the strength definitely uh, implies bulkiness, but then constitution—if yeah. you have a high—I I almost make, I always makes me feel like I have a high constitution because I get a nice little belly on me. <laughs> you know. I know that doesn't translate properly, but fuck it. Nope. That has nothing to do with how many punches you can take. Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that would contribute to negatively to your dexterity. I think. That's the same way mine does. Very, very true. Yeah. Like my athletics can be high, but uh, yeah. my, my acrobatics are certainly it's not. It's funny, because I, I was thinking about this the other day, about how strength neither strength nor dexterity uh, account for uh cardio <laughs> you know yep. dexterity is like quick movement and reaction time strength is like brute strength and the ability to you know persevere and under like you know physical pressure but nothing accounts for cardio maybe maybe constitution does actually constitution, con is yeah, physical it does. It does. physical no. pressure not strength well i uh, sorry physical uh, physical assertion I, I, yeah. I guess I, I, maybe it's yeah. a more appropriate way of saying it is what I meant. Strength yeah. is strength is the only outward, um, only the only outward. Well, strength and dex are the only outward specific stats, mm. whereas con is is inward. Institution and wisdom are obviously inward, and yeah. I guess charisma is probably outward. But yeah. Yeah, There's I guess an to be made it's there. funny. This makes for an interesting conversation between the systems of Five E and and um, our D and D uh, and Pathfinder. In that Pathfinder has uh, fortitude for a save, which is reflected by Constitution, um, and uh, it does n- specifically does not have things like a Charisma saving throw, Intelligence saving throw, or a Strength saving throw. They just do Dex based ones <laughs> with Reflex, Will with Wisdom, and fortitude with constitution whereas in five but in 5e you would you're more likely if you're they have the contested check so if you're doing a grapple check or something like that you're doing athletics versus athletics you're doing strength on strength whereas in pathfinder it would be uh an athletics check on someone's fortitude um uh save or dc which is constitution based you know so you have these like right very different approaches to the same scenario using different stats yeah, I, I like there. There are other systems out there. Um, I'm I'm trying to find one, but I can't find find it offhand. I I prefer a different set of stats than like our traditional yeah um, set of stats. I'd rather I, I like physical, mental, um, uh, appearance, and uh, there's there's another one that I that I liked. Mm. I think there are um, alternate rules fortitude for I think they're for second edition Pathfinder. Where you could actually combine like strength and dex together into a single stat, um, and they represent your physicality. And I think there might be another one for intelligence and wisdom. I, I clearly don't don't know it off the top of my head, but I've heard talk right. about uh, that sort of approach before, where it's like, oh, okay, instead of just having these separate, let's just combine them and make them um, more more streamlined and seamless. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, one um, thing's for sure is I've, I'm I'm an advocate for that intelligence wisdom combo in some degree. I, I understand keeping them separate, but also there's got to be some things that 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 have to be influenced by both. Um, and uh, yeah. you seldom see that, if ever, um, reflected. Yeah, I hear you. Mm. Um, I would rather just have like one mental stat, like physical, mental, um, fortitude, and 
like sanity would be enough for me. Right. Sanity. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I love sanity mechanics. Um, <laughs> I've been fun. thinking a lot about uh, Call of Cthulhu lately. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But Not I'm red enough. To sell my fiance on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, the only notes I wrote down for this creature in homebrew were that I, I'm not, I'm unconvinced about the Roper having an alignment, even, you know, it's intelligence, not that much higher than the piercer. So like, why is it suddenly chosen? Uh, why are they all suddenly chosen to be neutral evil? Like, I feel well, like, like you said the the, like you believe wisdom is, is more animalistic. It's more primal and right. alignment has nothing to do with like it, it your alignment is reflected by your choices but it right. it doesn't always have to do with your choices right like so, that could just be this thing's nature but i agree with you it should be neutral i think neutral it evil seems uh, seems ridiculous i just think it should be unaligned again that's it you know and it, yeah if you have to give oh, alignment yeah. then yeah just true neutral but i think it just should, yeah. be, should be unaligned uh, i still picture this creature despite its high wisdom um as more bestial um, I legitimately cannot pick a difference between unaligned and true neutral. So sure, yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, I think I mean true neutral. It, it, it comes down to um, your. It comes down to decision making. Is this creature making active decisions? Like that was that was citation needed shit about its insightfulness and philosophy. Right? There's there's no reference for that. So if you're just looking at the stats alone, like. You know, n true neutral is like t uh, is deliberately choosing and thinking your way into a specific aligned stance, whereas unaligned is like you're not thinking about it at all. You're just acting on instinct. You're just right. doing whatever it is you do. There is there is no thought to it. You just do what you do because that's what you do because you're an animal. You know, okay. Pretty much all animals are unaligned unless they are hyper intelligent. Is pretty much the the rule or like the, the trend that I've seen anyway. Yeah, beast monstrosities, that kind of yeah. Uh, like yeah, 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 makes sense. Um, the other thing that I noticed was lacking, and I kind of understand it, but I wish it was there anyway. Is that the roper does not have a drop function? It could go on the ceiling. It could be a stalactite, but does not have the drop ability in its stat block. And I think it should, even though it's large. It's probably at tremendous more risk, perhaps, um, in uh, in not getting away with it or and or the damage it takes. Um, based on its size. So I, I thought about it just briefly, uh, and I said I thought I would add it to the Roper, but due to its size, I would guarantee the fall damage. Um, so I, Or uh, full fall damage, not, not half. So it would take full fall damage if it missed. Um, and even okay. then, I would say maybe half damage even if it hits. Uh, but then I would also allow for a deck save for half damage by it, the PCs. Because it's much larger, yeah. and you're more likely. I was to just thinking coming. that, like, it's yeah. like that would be more of an AOE than than an attack. Like a particularly desperate roper could, you know, be on the ceiling to avoid being hurt and like try to kill creatures by lifting them in the air with the tendrils and then make its way down to devour them. But if it really felt like it was desperate, it could climb up there and get ready to drop and probably do like a lot of damage. I would probably up the damage quite a bit, but it's doing so at a, at a major risk to its own self. And it's more likely the PCs will, will avoid it for like half damage or, or entirely, you know, if they have evasion. Um, I, I just feel like it's sorely missing for no reason. Um, and maybe I got I mean, maybe like usual get a little more complicated with it than I need to, but um, I think it should be there because why not? It, it it's it's right there with the blind sight. Put the blind sight right in, and then give it a drop function. Yeah, I mean, I got I got no no complaints with either of those tweaks. 
Um, again, in in my ability, my constant strive to simplify these fucking creatures, <laughs> um, I I wouldn't give it the drop function, but there's there's no reason why this thing wouldn't have blind sight to me. Yeah. So absolutely um, no reason. Yeah. But in my home game, I pretty much ignore lighting for the most part for my creatures anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. When we're playing a foundry. If they, live, <laughs> like, if they live in that ecology, there's no reason why they can't see in that that instance, you know? Like, there's no reason a frost giant would be hanging out in a dark room if it can't see in the fucking dark. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, when we're, playing in found, cool. when we're playing in foundry VTT, like, I, I don't have... Uh, uh, the dynamic lighting or visual setup for the monster tokens at all. If I need to see whether or not it no. sees you, I click you and see your vision, right? <laughs> I don't need it. Yeah. I don't need a built in for all of those guys. Yeah. I do. There's no need know, for it. Yeah. You do have to consider like, whether they have dark vision, but, but that's usually if you've cast something to make it dark, you know, if they're, if you're already yeah. in a dark place, you can pretty much guarantee they got dark vision. Like, you know, otherwise it, they wouldn't I'll, be there. <laughs> I'll legit only look at it if it's humanoid. Like, yeah, sure. There's no other reason to look <laughs> at it. Totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no reason you're ever going to encounter like a bird in a cave. Yeah. Like, <laughs> does this humanoid what, what? have wolf eyes? I got I better double check. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. It's possible. Or they could have the, the ability to cast dark vision on themselves or, or what have you. Like, that's mm-hmm. the only time I'll, I'll look into those stat blocks is yeah. if it's humanoid. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you're running a pre-written adventure, even if you're not, like, honestly, you got enough going on. Fuck it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> lighting is not... Is, the lighting mechanic is designed to be your friend, not yeah. not to fucking handcuff you. Rules is written. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the only time, it, it, you know, it gets... A, I, I, w- I would get specific about darkness is like is when you are in the under places like the underdark like you are in blanketly black places right but even i like don't get too carried away with like how far does the torch reach like it's like a 20 foot brighter and a 40 foot dim yeah. or some shit like that like just don't don't sweat it too much you know and 40 most, feet is so big for every is, fucking room it is big like, and most maps are tight quarters in general right so yeah you know unless you're working with a massive cavernous map you know that you you really need for some reason you really need like you know to to monitor that 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 40 foot range like you know by all means sweat about it then but the likelihood is pretty low yeah but the decision rests with you guys like Mm. i'll i'll tell you i'll tell my players when they're entering a dark room or like when they enter a dungeon i'll always give them like the features of the dungeon like this is how high the ceilings are this is how moist it is you know there's water on the floor oh yeah it's dark it's fucking cold like figure your shit out yeah. and i'll you know i'll ask about it when i remember it's like okay do you have enough hands to cast a spell wield your short sword and hold the torch mm-hmm. right <laughs> um you know if it comes up but it, you know also if i don't remember it like it doesn't matter like the game like the game is designed for the pcs to win anyway yeah so, seriously like I mean, fuck it most ha- like, most races in 5e have dark vision so yeah for 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 a reason really <laughs> it's to make so, it easier don't even sweat it on your creatures if you don't want to yeah i mean if you want to then cool like you're you're a better dungeon master than i'll ever be and that's awesome <laughs> I, I respect the shit out of that or you know um maybe you can tell us uh, a situation in which uh, a, a monster having dark vision is important because I would I would honestly love to hear that. Mm. Um, as with all all interesting shit from our audience, I, I always want to hear it from that. And normally this is where I would roll into the outro spiel, but um, I want to talk about 
uh, real quick, one of the decisions I made in our off time, because you told me we were going to do piercers and ropers mm-hmm. uh, in, in response to Dark Mantle. And one of the things I didn't have prepared for Dark Mantle, partially because I wrote it like two weeks before we actually recorded it, and mm-hmm. then we recorded it after seven hours of recording for other oh, shows. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have decided that I would run piercers and roper, uh, sorry, uh, piercers and dark mantles as more of a trap than anything. So mm-hmm. instead of running these like as actual creatures, I would run them as like traps that manually reset themselves. If the players want to enter uh, a combat afterwards, uh, you know they can always decide they're going to roll for initiative. But for mm-hmm. the most part, I think I would just have this shit fall from the ceiling. Like here's your trigger. You enter their space. They drop. They attack. If they miss, they just scuttle off into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Like, I would not have you guys roll initiative until you said or, um, you know, somebody got hit with a dark mantle or somebody got hit with a with a piercer. Mm-hmm. I would just keep launching them at you until you were like, oh, maybe that cloud of floating darkness is something we should be worried about. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Our cleric's being suffocated right now. Now you roll for initiative. Yeah. So I think that's how I would roll it is, is wait until um, it... It adversely affects the PCs and build up the suspense and the momentum of the adventure with with just it it functioning as a trap instead of okay roll for initiative okay the yeah. piercer's got a surprise round it's gonna fall on you okay um, I would just you know fucking I would roll the hit against your my my player's AC yeah. and then if it hit then we would enter initiative yeah and we would start initiative with a dark mantle on your head or a piercer in your sternum. <laughs> <laughs> and or uh yeah uh i mean I, I actually love that it's been a long time since i looked at traps in 5e but i do recall really enjoying them as a concept and i could tell you that hazards in pathfinder second edition which are essentially the same thing but they cover like you know loads of bases like like the 5e traps too where it's like um yeah uh you know whether it's a physical trap of like swinging blades or it's a magical trap or it's a haunt or something ghostly and whatever um and that they have really cool separate stat blocks or how they function and some of them are initiative order and some of them are not and and like you know they always almost always have a reaction trigger uh that they start with and that like no one can really avoid and then from there they have like uh, an initiative count and stuff like that and yeah that that's actually a really yep. cool and fun approach I'm, I'm a big fan of that idea big time yeah i've been looking at them a lot more lately because i've been writing our uh, scenario for our bugbear tier which is a 25 dollar patreon tier in which i or freeman will run you through a game once per year Heck and yeah. we're getting to the point where we're about ready to run our bugbear patrons through our first ever bugbear game so traps will uh spoilers be playing a part in that yeah sweet <laughs> can't wait so. <laughs> uh, that's super fun yeah so if you like that you like that idea you want us to run you through a game you want to see me put my money where my mouth is or more accurately you want to put your money where my mouth is you can find all that <laughs> stuff on patreon.com backslash encounter this five dollars a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and access to the show notes ten dollars a month will get you'll have the ability to suggest a creature um we didn't really talk about anything that anybody could suggest this time. So, you know, maybe there's something you've encountered in the Underdark that you really want to hear us bitch about, I guess, which is what this show's really become. Uh, you, you can do that for $10 a month. Uh, like I said, for $25 a month, you can get access to that bugbear once per year uh, Patreon game. And all the all the tiers are self-reliant. So for that $25, you'll also get a suggested creature. You'll also get that handwritten thank you letter. 
Um, and each individual handwritten thank you letter has a fun fact about Freeman or I that we don't often share on this show. If you've got a great story about how you would use a creature with dark vision, we absolutely want to hear it. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook at EncounterPod or Instagram at Encounter.Pod. If you want to look at some of our back episodes, uh, like Freeman's Old Sturges episode 56, you can find that on our website at EncounterThis.ca, your podcatcher of choice. If you've got time, we would greatly appreciate a rate and review. It really does help us in the leaderboards, believe it or not. Not that leaderboards is the appropriate <laughs> for that. Um, I wasn't but say we anything. do kind of win a win at this podcast thing, even though we're just barely mediocre <laughs> at it. Um, and if you like us for whatever ungodly reason and you absolutely need more content for us, we just released an actual play podcast where Freeman is the game master. That is right, folks. I said game master because we are heretically playing Pathfinder <laughs> Second Edition, the uh, the Adventure of the Abomination Vaults, I believe is the the actual title of the show. And you can find that at Uncharted North um, or at Uncharted No all, everywhere or at Stemming the Tide on your podcatchers of choice or just reach out to us we'll we'll hook you up with the link the first six episodes will be out give or take when this drops Mm -hmm. and uh it's a lot of fun it's a it's a lot of work um but we're we're diversifying our podcasting portfolio we do 5e we do pathfinder maybe next we'll do your favorite game so tell us what that is um uh, the Dresden Files, Sailor Moon, I, I don't know, uh, Dragon Ball Z, the RPG, uh, the, the new Avatar RPG that just got funded on Kickstarter. Let, let us know. Maybe we'll look into it. Amazing. Yeah, there's a, there's a brand new Avatar The Last Airbender RPG, and I super want to play it. That sound, I had no idea. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Color me interested. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, as always, so much for listening. And we, we really hope if this was your first episode, it roped you in. <laughs> and pierced your hearts. <laughs> and pierced your hearts. <laughs> Fuck, we are so bad at this. We're so bad at it. <laughs> you want to hear other really terrible transitions? <laughs> listen to the new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or keep listening to the back episodes of this one because they're not any better. <laughs> oh, the worst. Uh, thanks again, listeners. And we will see you in two weeks for our last episode of 20, whatever year it is, 21. Is that right? No, 20. Wait, is it? No, it yeah, is 20. We'll see you in two oh weeks God. for our last episode of 2021. <laughs> whatever that happens to be. Um, uh, and uh, yeah. thank you. All right. <laughs>